somehow ended up with a lot more stuff today than what I expected. Uh, if, if I'm honest, I sat down this morning, I was having a nice nice coffee by the sunrise, photo of that on the tweet thread. Gee, it's nice here in winter. <laughs> it's really nice. And I started making a list, and then I started looking at my Twitter thread, and wow, there is actually a lot of stuff that's happened this week. But I do want to be, if not brief, then concise today. G'day, Wayne. <laughs> See you there in the chat. Uh, lot happening at the moment. We've been away since the last weekly update. Uh, over the weekend at our wedding venue, we are four weeks away from a wedding now, which is getting, I was going to say getting very serious, it's getting very exciting. It's very, very nice to have the uh, the, the thought of the event. Uh, and of course, like any wedding, a bunch of people traveling. Uh, there will be many of my friends, many friends who have been on this on this podcast before, who you know of, that will be here, That uh, some of whom I haven't seen for for years, which is going to be awesome. I'm going to, I think I'll just save who they are until they, they won't be a surprise <laughs> until they get here. Maybe we'll do something together. They're very, very excited about that. Equally excited about in a few hours from now, turning off all the computer things and going snowboarding for the first time in two and a half years. Uh, so, yes, we do have snow in Australia. For those of you from other parts of the world, I know you find that very surprising. Uh, but it's a big place here, uh, and it looks like a really good snow season. I was just looking at the forecast as well. Uh, it's snow pretty much every day for the next week. So very, very happy about that. I will actually be back on Friday next week, so I will do one of these videos from uh, the other end of the day in a week from now. And I can tell you how it was, but you will see all the photos, as usual, on Twitter, because it is my job as Australian ambassador <laughs> for tourism is to post epic shots of nice stuff. So super, super excited about uh, about heading off there. Mitch is in Ottawa. Gunnar. Gunnar is in Norway. Be back in Norway soon too. All those plans are taking shape. November, be back in Norway, which would be nice. Haven't been to Ottawa. Matt and Fiona in Gloucester. I think I've been there. <laughs> I think it all becomes a blur. Let's talk about sponsor before I jump into all the... Well, the other meaty material, Clyde, is my sponsor again. I suspect that Clyde are my most prevalent sponsor, actually, for 2022. Clyde can help you nail third-party audits, which you kind of need to do. And they're not fun a lot of the time, are they, audits? Nail th <laughs> Fortunately, I haven't had to do one for many, many years or been involved in one for many, many years uh, in my, my joyful, joyful life of independence and not working for corporate anymore. Anyway, back to Clyde. Clyde can help you nail third-party audits and internal compliance goals with endpoint security for your entire fleet. Learn more over here. So do give uh, Clyde a little click through there. Set compliance goals. Employees, make them happen. Just kind of like one of those necessary corporate... I was going to say corporate evils. I don't think that's disingenuous to the sponsor because they're here to help you solve the problem of having to go through the audit problem. But I don't recall ever having an audit or being involved in doing an audit of a vendor where we went, yeah, this is going to be fun. <laughs> so, so anything that helps you do that in a way that is less painful, I think is a good option. So big thanks to Collide again for being such a prevalent sponsor this year. Okay, so other things. Where's my list? Password purgatory. I have hooked some more spammers this week, which has been fun. And... Um, 
I do have some more things I want to do with Password Purgatory. I think I mentioned last week, I do want to collect a little bit more metadata uh, about when is the email sent out to the spammer, uh, any sort of read receipt. We'll just put a little spacer image or something in there. And if they're loading images with query strings in them, good job, I'll have that. When they first go to the page, a little bit more clarity around when there's a reload of the page. But one of the things I'm learning, which I think just confirms the things that we already know, but it's always interesting to see it here, is that people choose really shit passwords. <laughs> now, I'm going to be saying shit a lot in this update, so if that is something which is uh, which is a word you don't want to hear, firstly, this is probably not the right podcast for you, <laughs> podcast, live stream. Uh, secondly, you're going to hate it when I talk about this data breach later on because it is hilarious. Anywho... This first one, Spammer made 22 attempts. And the first password here, I was actually just looking at this very briefly before I started the live stream. It's like, is there a pattern here? 52313516, exclamation mark. How do they remember that? That's not even like a keyboard pattern. Literally looking down at my keyboard, going, this is a pattern. And of course, the first password complexity criteria says password must not end in exclamation mark. I think that is a beautiful password complexity criteria for password purgatory because so many people begin their password, or rather their first attempt at a password, has an exclamation mark at the end. Now, interestingly, the next one from a spammer as well, this person only made eight attempts, is 124ACB124 exclamation mark. So, the response to this one, password must be 12 to 16 characters long. That doesn't look like 12 to 16 characters long. So they change it. And then it says password must not end in exclamation mark. So they take the exclamation mark off the end. And then it says password must be 12 to 16 characters long. This really messes with them. What I really like is when it gets to the point where it's like, <laughs> password must end with dog. And I, I know we can't do this, and if we could, it would be a massive privacy violation, but I just love to see the expression on their face when it's like, password must end with dog. I know what my expression would be. The same as when I see most password complexity criteria that's legitimate. <laughs> and they just keep going and going. Now, the other thing that is not being captured here at the moment, which I think would be valuable, is... What is the complexity criteria that eventually saps their soul so much that they don't even bother trying to respond to it? So, you know, in, in this case, I can see that this person, uh, their last criteria was password must contain at least one uppercase character. They have successfully met that criteria, but there was then a response to them where they're just like, Nah, screw this, I'm out. <laughs> and I want to see what that response was. It's not here yet. So what I really need to do is my little logger is when a password complexity criteria loads, I need to log that immediately with the expectation that they may never hit the submit button. So that'll be on my list. That'll be on my list of, of things that have absolutely no commercial value or purpose other than to amuse us. Which is important. It's important. That's there on the list. Uh, that's on my list. Acoustic work in my office. So I tweeted a photo, a series of photos, earlier this week. You can't see it because the camera's pointing the wrong way. But <laughs> there is progress, progress but not completion, of the acoustics in my office. Now, 
what I wanted to do was something that's, I, I guess, kind of twofold, maybe threefold. So, so number one, do the best I can with the acoustics in terms of cutting out as much background noise as possible, softening it all up. That's why there's nice heavy curtains here that weren't there a year ago. I can't remember when we put them in. Uh, there's a nice plush carpet, which is great. The wall over there has been wallpapered. It's a better sound absorbing material. But what I really wanted to do was get the wall in front of me where a lot of sound and stuff bounces back off. Uh, and the ceiling. Uh, so that was part of it. The other part of it is very often I end up doing interviews where they're like a camera crew or something there and they're doing like the over-the-shoulder shot of me on the computer and I just wanted to make everything look epic. <laughs> so when they come in and then it's like on the news or something, people go, wow, that guy must be really good. Look at his... I don't know if it works that way. <laughs> but wow, that looks like a really cool environment. And I, I guess the partial third reason is, is, yeah, like I do spend a huge portion of my life in here. So I like making it a really, really cool environment where I walk in and it's like, wow, it's, I'm happy to be in this place. So the material I've been using, this was in the, the still shot for this video, is uh, it's from a company called Ortex. Now, it's, it's actually run by some friends, neighbours of ours, so we, we do have a connection. Uh, and, and what they do is they create these panels where, for those of you looking at the video, you'll see it's, I think this one is about 20 mil thick, 15 mil thick, 12 mil thick. There we go. Thickness, 12 mil. This is 12 mil thick. Uh, you do get different thicknesses. You can get them in any color. You can get them in any pattern. You can get them to look like other things. So our friend was showing us uh, one of her rooms the other day, and it looks like a wood paneled room, except it's not a wood paneled room. It's an acoustic paneling paneled room. But they can look like anything. And in fact, I've got a whole sort of like box <laughs> of sample packs here where you get all of these different colors. So you can make the room whatever you want it to be. We have not got this right yet. <laughs> and I'll tell you what the problems are with this. As awesome as it looks, the, the underlying problem is when you sit in your room and you go, oh, yeah, this wall is like full of right angles, right? So this wall comes here and then that one goes there and it goes like that and then it goes up to the ceiling and then it goes right angle again. Uh First of all, <laughs> they're not right angles. They look like right angles, but they're not because it was built by humans basically just hammering plasterboard onto the onto the, the frame. And then the other thing is, is that when the wall looks like it's straight and the ceiling looks like it's flat, they're not. They all have a little curvy bend in them. Now, you don't notice that when you've just got a great big flat wall there or when you've got wallpaper like that, but you do start to notice it when you've got a design which has been created millimeter perfect and then laser cut and then you put it on the wall and it doesn't quite match up and this is where everything sort of goes off the rails now originally they installed that the idea is like the wall and the ceiling kind of wrap so originally they installed the uh the wall and we just went this does, just doesn't look good. Like the, the, the goal here, and you see this from the photos, is that you have these lines that sort of intersect at certain points. So it's, it's basically like a dark grey backing and then a lighter grey front, and it's got cutouts and bezels so that makes lines that join like this, uh, which looks really, really super cool and a little bit cybery. And what they did originally is, despite the fact that all of these are like triangles that fit together, they basically just divided the wall up into vertical pieces and we ended up with these join lines that you could see going up and down the wall, which just, it just did not look good. 
so they redid it. They took all that off, and instead they made the join lines like in the bezels between the panels, which is good. And then they got the wall done, and that looked good. And then they got to the ceiling, and all went, why do the lines not join up? And in fact, someone made this comment when I tweeted the photo. They're like, this would annoy the hell out of me because the wall and the... I can't even do it with my hands. The wall and the ceiling, yeah, the base, nearly right angles, but then everything starts to get a little bit offset because lengths and distances... Anyway, didn't look quite right. So the uh, eventual solution that we have come up with after having a team of people in here trying to figure out how do we do geometry in a place that just isn't square and flat is we're going to end up with like a border on the ceiling. So there'll be a 20, 25 mil border. If you can imagine, I look up at the ceiling and it's just like, it's like setting the border property of a box in CSS. Yeah, a border at uh, two mil or 20 mil wide. And there'll be a border around that and then the lines and everything will be inside there. So there'll be like a light gray box inside a dark gray box. Uh, and that way, visually, it looks like everything's sort of joining up with the wall, but you've got enough of a border offset that if you get a few mil of a line that doesn't quite work, you visually won't see it. That sounds like a very lengthy explanation, but I think when you actually see the end result, that's when it will be cool. So that'll be good. I do have a new desk coming after. I was trying to figure out how long I've had this desk for. It's at least a decade, at least. I'm pretty sure it's more like 13, 14 years. So I've had a new desk made, which will uh, which will fit this room aesthetics really, really well. Gives enough room for both Charlotte and I to sit here together uh, and work, which we often do. Which is why there's another chair over there, which she wheels over, uh, and it'll just be it'll be super, super cool. So when that's done, I'll share more photos. I think that desk is going to be like a next month kind of thing, uh, which I think will also be the ceiling here. Alrighty, so. Wayne says that was me. Was it you that pointed out the <laughs> the misjoin? So I actually sent the tweet to this friend of ours and went, you know, look, uh, a lot of people are looking at this product. It'd be nice that it looks perfect. And, and I did raise with her the other day. It's like, you know, someone did spot it pretty quickly that uh, doesn't join up. And it, it, well, Charlotte and I was sort of trying to explain that, like, look at our industry. There's There's a lot of us that that either have a lot of attention to detail or just a little bit on that spectrum where we just can't we can't let go of things. It's like when I go to a web page and I'm like, why is that one pixel out? These two things are one pixel out. They don't join up. There's bugging the hell out of me. And I don't want that to be on the wall that I spend all day looking at. Lars is here. Here's the desk shaped like a jet ski. So this one, Lars is here. Uh, you'll have to wait and see. I'll show you when you when you come visit me, mate. Okay, um, where are we now? Acoustic with Kickstarter. Let's talk about Kickstarter because Kickstarter was a really it was an unnecessarily messy situation this week. So a couple of days ago, two days ago, I had a bunch of people send me Kickstarter messages. Now some of them came through privately. I retweeted one here that came uh, via the public. Twitter's, and it says, this is legitimate, it's from Kickstarter, please set a new password for your Kickstarter account. We're simplifying, excuse me, we're simplifying <coughs> our login process to log into your account with the email, redacted, please set a password. <coughs> now, the, the optics of this, as they say, are terrible because very often when an organisation sends an email and says, and I'm, I'm going to 
use the tone of voice which people are, are hearing this in or reading this in when they get one of these messages. So, uh, could you guys all please just go and update your passwords? And we're, we're like, okay, well, obviously you've had a data breach and the passwords have been exposed. That is the natural assumption. Now, I do see organizations sending messages like this when they're rolling hashing algorithms as well. Uh, so they might have been doing MD5 forever in a day, and they're like, okay, well, that's actually a bad thing. Let's go and bcrypt all our things. In order to bcrypt the password, we need the plain text password. So we need people to come and log in, authenticate against the old MD5 hashes. Then we'll have their password in the clear. Then we can hash it with bcrypt. Or if they obviously change the password, then we've got a new password we can bcrypt. Uh, that's terrible. Don't do that. And the reason it's terrible is, number one, the messages like this look absolutely terrible because people start drawing the conclusions that Marcos Marcos here has drawn in his uh, public tweet and other people who emailed me privately, Drew. Uh, number two, and I often ask this in, in my Hack Yourself First workshops, how long will it take you as an organization for every single one of your customers to log in therefore replacing all of the MD5 hashes with the bcrypt hashes. Uh, and the answer is infinity. It will never happen. You will never get everybody to log back in. So what you end up with now is you end up with a prolonged window of poorly stored passwords, and they're gradually reducing over time, but they never get through to zero. And we've seen this go wrong before. We've seen Dropbox try to roll from SHA-1 to bcrypt, get breached halfway through. Half the accounts that were compromised were bcrypt hashes, half of them were SHA-1 hashes. Mine was a bcrypt, <laughs> so good for me. I had a randomly generated password anyway, it didn't matter. And you know, on that, as an individual, you can't control how an organization stores your password. However, even if it is unsalted MD5, if you've got a long randomly generated password, you're fine. That's not getting cracked. That 30, 40, 50 character password is not getting cracked. So you can get the strength of bcrypt yourself <laughs> just by using a decent password. Most people don't do that. So anyway, I wondered if it was that. Now, we don't want to do that sort of rollover from one hashing algorithm. You don't want to do that sort of rollover from one hashing algorithm to another because of the reason I just mentioned. What you do want to do is take all your MD5 hashes and just bcrypt them all. So now you've got a hash within a hash. And forever and a day, you've got this odd technical debt of an MD5 hash within a bcrypt hash, but you abstract that away somewhere within your method to log on, and it's job done. All in one go, now we've got the bcrypt strength. I assumed that's what Kickstarter was doing. It's not. <laughs> so what Kickstarter was actually doing here, and this came through in a subsequent email, uh, they have realized that uh, they have rather cocked this up in terms of their communication. And they've subsequently said, hi, folks. Dramatic pause. For those of you who have been using Facebook, to log into Kickstarter, we sent an email today asking you to set up a Kickstarter password. Our email was confusing. We apologize. And good on them for that, too. Please know there has not been a data breach that they know of, and your information is safe. Didn't Kickstarter have a data breach? Isn't Kickstarter and Have I Been Pwned? I honestly lose track. The other thing I lose is my keyboard. No, nope. <laughs> my keyboard is back. 
Who's been pwned? I'm sure Kickstarter is in there. Kickstarter. Yeah, Kickstarter is it. So let me rephrase the email. We have not had another data breach and your information is safe. That was more than 5 million people. February 2014. They go on. Tweet thread. In the coming months, we'll be discontinuing the ability to log in via Facebook and we'll be requiring everyone to use a Kickstarter password. This will ensure you have consistent access to your account and enable their engineering team to focus on delivering new features. Not entirely sure how that's relevant, but whatever. We didn't explain this in our email and we will link to reset and the link to reset your password made it seem like phishing. We're very sorry to have caused alarm. We're sending a follow-up email to everyone who received the original email. So <coughs> I think... We can, we can throw them a bone for the way they have subsequently explained it. But it, it just goes to show, like, this, this would have been such an easy message to get right the first time. And I'm sure that anyone who pays any attention to this industry who had have read that first email would have gone, oh, this doesn't look good. Like, we shouldn't do it this way. But anyway, here we are. So no additional data breach for Kickstarter, no rolling hashing algorithms, just moving people off Facebook logins to native Kickstarter accounts. Fair enough. Let's talk about uh, spam, opting out, and control of your email address and your PII and privacy and things. <coughs> okay, so this has been bugging me for a while. Uh, and I finally worked out what's happened, and this is in a tweet thread, and more things might come of this. I keep getting these emails that begins with, Dear Privacy Team. Actually, the subject is, Have I Been Pwned Deletion Request? Let's actually find the full email here. Uh, Dear Privacy Team. Now, keep in mind that the Have I Been Pwned Team uh, is me. <laughs> so when we hear team... I do find that quite strange. Here's a full thing. Have I been pwned deletion request and then dash name. Now, clearly this is templated because I keep getting these. Dear privacy team, I'm asking several companies to delete the data they hold on me. To make this easy for me to manage and in line with the ICO guidance, now keep in mind the ICO is the Information Commissioner's Office, that is the UK data regulator, that is a place on the other side of the world. Please don't ask me to perform a self-service process or fill out a form. Oh, getting off on the right foot there, aren't you, mate? I would like to exercise my right of erasure under data protection law. If there's any information that can't be deleted for regulatory reasons, please confirm what needs to be retained and minimise what you can, e.g. marketing and third-party data processing. To help find my account in your records, my details are, and then there's their name and their email address, please send email confirmation once the process has been completed, and if you need any more information, please let me know. Thanks in advance. Now, I've got a bunch of these here, and what I have normally done with these is <laughs> it's just deleted them, and then I never hear anything more. Now, it's, it's not that I don't want to enable people to remove the data from have I been pwned, it's that... There is a link on the website that says opt out. And then there are different ways of doing it. And I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. But clearly there is a service somewhere enabling this template, which is then causing these emails to be sent through to my personal email address. Now, I find this somewhat ironic that people 
would like to reduce the exposure of their personal email address. And in order to do that, there is a service out there that has published my personal email address publicly and invited people to send me, frankly, what is very close to at least my definition of spam. It's bulk, it's non-personal, it's, it's trying to put work back on me as well. So I kept getting these. Uh, I tweeted about this a few days ago and we looked, does anyone know where this is from? Now in this thread, I've explained why it's not that simple in terms of opting out. And let's think about have I been pwned in, in two different parts here, probably three different parts. Uh, number one, there are data breaches. That's the whole reason the service is there. Uh, Kickstarter was breached in 2014. People's data was in there, their email addresses. There was no informed consent to have your data posted on the hacking forum. That is not how it works. We're going to talk later on about other organizations just don't understand how data breaches work. You don't opt in to it. You cannot opt out of it. You cannot go to a website that is sharing compromised data and ask for it to be removed. We'll talk about Benorte and what happened to them after they tried to do that a little bit later on. That is not how it works. Your data is out there. It is out there forever. You cannot get it back. Now, that's that, that sort of bucket. Now, there is another bucket, which is data that is in Have I Been Pwned. Now, that I do have some control over. And in fact, there are multiple different ways of controlling it. And I had a, an opt-out feature years ago, which, which literally just went through. And what it was doing is it would, let, let's say I wanted to opt out. I could go and put my email address in the opt-out form. I get an email to that address to confirm that I actually control it. And I go, yeah, I want to opt out. And what it did is it flagged the record to not be accessible via public searches. So on that table storage instance uh, in Azure, it would literally go, hey, here's Troy's email address, opt out flag, no longer publicly searchable. It didn't delete the data. Now, why not? Well, a very, very simple reason. If someone is opting out, they don't want to be publicly searchable. If I delete your record and then you're in the, let's say the shit express data breach we're about to talk about, you go back in to have I been pwned because I've removed every record of you, but now you're searchable again. And clearly your original intent was to not be searchable. So that was my original logic. And then I did a bunch of work with a DPO in the EU around how to do a bunch of privacy-related things and have I been pwned. And one of the things he said is he said, look, I understand why you're doing this with the opt-out, but give people more choices. Give people as much control as you can over their data. I said, okay, what do you reckon? He said, well, let's do this. Option one, you've already got it. So option one is literally just flag the record as not searchable. Other people can't publicly search for it but you can always go and search for it by verifying your email address. So when you actually use the little notify service, even if you've uh, signed up for notifications before, you can go and do it again, and then you can go in and see which data breaches you're in. So do that. The, the other thing he said is allow people to permanently remove all of the data that you have on them now. And yes, that means that 
when they're in the shit express data breach later on, they'll go back in there, but give them the choice. <clears throat> Let them decide. So, okay, well, that's, that, that's a reasonable option. And then there's a third option, which is remove any data breaches from this person. So remove the Kickstarter data breach from them. So there's a record in there which says you've been in Kickstarter, let's say Kickstarter and Dropbox. Remove Kickstarter and Dropbox, but keep their email address and keep it flagged as not wanting to have any new breaches assigned next to them. So that when Shit Express happens later on and it goes to load into the system, it's like, well, hang on a second, this person said don't load anything for them, so now it won't load. But the only way I can do that is I have to keep the email address. Because if I don't keep the email address, I don't know that you don't want to be in subsequent data breaches. Now, obviously, have I been paid as a very unique service? If it was some form of uh, other website where you go and sign up yourself, someone can choose whether they want to come back and add their data back in after having opted out. So you could actually opt out and permanently remove everything. Data breaches are different. They don't work that way. So... Three different options. That's the way they work. This is one of the reasons why I can't have a situation where people just email me and say, delete your data. It's like, well, actually, it's more nuanced than that. I do find, and I use the word obnoxious, I do find it quite obnoxious that this message says, please don't ask me to perform a self-service process or fill out a form. (sighs) Why? You're just sending me an email. We're working on the assumption that you do legitimately control the address because DKIM and other things aside, what's to stop anyone from just sending me an email allegedly from that address? It it just feels unnecessary. So let me continue because we figured out who is responsible for this. Uh, So I've put the whole thread in here about how it all works, uh, about why there are multiple different options, And it turns out that this is coming from a service called Rightly. Now, I think Rightly's intentions are very good. So the Twitter bio says, Rightly, champions of data, empowers consumers to easily and securely manage their personal online data. Uh, What's on their website? I did have a look at this the other day. They've got your data. Get it back. That's not how it works. Hundreds of companies have your data. Some will sell it. Lots of them will lose it or get hacked this year. Well, how do you get it back if it's hacked? <laughs> I, I, okay, my bias, bias, <laughs> my bias is obviously around the data breach side of things. And I get where they're going with this. Lots of organizations have our data. and We want to get back some control over that. Uh, now, to some extent, you, you can do that. We, of course, have seen many, many cases where organisations have said, yes, we've deleted your data, Ashley Madison. Yes, you've done the full delete service, but then they've retained other bits. And, of course, you just have to take them at their word for that. But this whole bit about somehow being able to get your data back and take back control of it is really not how the internet works. Uh, I like the idea of being able to opt out of things, we have had some private conversation on this. I'd like to keep it going with these folks because they seem very nice. They're very polite when they reached out privately, uh, as well as some discussion with other organisations doing a similar thing that contacted me. And I almost feel that there needs to be some sort of a standard or an RFC for this, which is like there is a standardised mechanism for opting out of a service. 
and a website shall implement a uh, forward slash dot well dash known forward slash opt out dot txt, you know, security dot txt style or something, which, I mean, that's a human readable format. It'd be nice to have something which we could programmatically plug into uh, to opt people out of things like this. But again, there are lots of nuances. Even this email over here from Rightly. Incidentally, guys, it would be really good if you listen to this rightly. Given this is a template coming from your service, mass emailing people, put your name in there because they're not organizations who keep getting these and are pissed off with it. Know who to contact rather than having to go out to Twitter and ask. You know, own this thing. Anyway, we'll see where that discussion goes. From a, from a Have I Been Pwned perspective, I'm now just going to point people at this thread uh, and I'm going to put a auto reply for, uh, for emails that match the pattern that is being used here. Uh, go and read the thread. Absolutely, go and opt yourself out. Three different ways of doing it, but these random, pretty spammy, kind of obnoxious emails sent to my personal email address in the name of privacy whilst it invades mine is not, not cool. Not cool at all. Glad we got that off the chest. Lars says blockchain. <laughs> we'll solve it. <laughs> yeah, AI. AI blockchain. Next gen AI blockchain. Rob said, re-login flow. I called GoDaddy recently. Two-step is enabled via Authent app. GoDaddy rep asked for code from app before they helped me. I thought this was unusual. I haven't heard of anyone else doing that. I guess it's effectively like replicating that, that login flow, that second factor of authentication via a verbal prompt. Gee, it'd be nice if we just all had U2F keys. And that was, I don't know how you do a U2F key. Uh, when you're actually talking to an operator, other than the fact they could send you to a web page somewhere, to a GoDaddy web page, and you could authenticate with your U2F key. But it, it does, it almost feels a bit fishy, doesn't it? All right, on to something else. The, uh, the most fun <laughs> data breach I have seen in a long time. Uh, where do I even begin with this? All right, here's where I'm going to be. I'm just going to open the website and I'm going to explain what the website does. And we're all going to learn something from this. I learned something this week. Shit Express. Send a piece of shit in a box to someone. <laughs> now, this has actually been around for years. Like there's a whole bunch of data in here from 2014. And uh, there are news stories from back then because it's like it's a newsworthy thing. They go on, imagine all the people who annoy you the most, an irritating colleague, school teacher, your ex-wife, oh, that'd be fun, filthy boss, jealous neighbor, that successful former classmate, damn those successful people, they're so annoying, or all those pesky haters. What if you could send them a smelly surprise? There is nothing that could replace the expression on the recipient's face after opening the box. Now, then we get into the options here. Number one, you can choose an animal. Various animals have different types of excrement. <laughs> so we're all learning something today. Today, we offer organic wet horse poop. Now, one of the fascinating things about a data breach, let's be half serious for a moment. <laughs> one of the fascinating things about a data breach is that it pulls back the veil of how services actually operate. Now, Ashley Madison was amazing for this because we learned from Ashley Madison when we actually saw the data that a significant portion of the women there were not women. Uh, they weren't men either. They were computer programs. They were literally just bots. 
there to engage with people. Now, that is not consistent with what they represented on their website in just the same way that various animals that you can choose from <laughs> are not the same here. Because when you go through the data, 100% of shit which was sent to recipients came from a horse. Now, I find it very misleading that, number one, they say choose an animal. Number two, there's a picture of a pig. Because if you had your heart set on sending your ex-wife pig shit, you would be disappointed. Because <laughs> there's only one kind. So that's number one, choose an animal. Number two, give us an address. We deliver packages to all countries in the world directly to the recipient. We use National Postal Service. Isn't that grammatically interesting? We use National Postal Service. English second language? I cannot imagine a package of shit getting through from another country into Australia. And again, I'm being half serious here because we have such strong biosecurity laws at the moment. We've got a lot of concern about foot and mouth disease coming from Bali in particular. Uh, Australia is extraordinarily cautious uh, in terms of biosecurity. Now, maybe you could get in a box of shit in the same way you could get in a box of cocaine if you wrap it up. And so I don't know how they do it. I don't I know what I see on the news. Uh, but it does certainly doesn't sound like that's the sort of thing you, you should be getting into a place like this. Number three, pick a sticker. Do you prefer plain, simple, or non-telling package? Or how about adding a big smiley face sticker? Number four, pay and stay anonymous. This service is 100% anonymous. We will never reveal your identity, even if you pay by credit card. Well, let's talk about that. Their data did get breached. Uh, it got very breached, uh, as I would say. So uh, not a particularly large breach, uh, 24,000 unique email addresses. But in there, as well as the email, so, so the, and these are email addresses of both senders and recipients, also email addresses of people who got gift cards or people who uh, signed up to giveaways. Also IP addresses physical addresses, obviously the recipients, names, and then the messages accompanying the posted shit. 76% already in Have I Been Pwned. I can't read you the messages because it turns out that if you are of a mindset where you want to send a box of shit to someone, the accompanying message is normally not safe for work. <laughs> so I have screen capped some of this and I've put it on the tweet thread. And you can read this. Let's talk about it in general terms uh, <laughs> without actually using the words here. The things that people would like to do to the other people. Uh, the things that people have done to people's wives the things that bosses have done to subordinates. Oh, man. I did read all this before, but just reading it is crazy. And then there's one in here in particular where uh, one person has gone on what I referred to as a uh, shit-posting rampage. I thought that was clever. <sighs> I'll read this, and I'll just censor when necessary. Hi, obfuscated name. I'm the security guard you yelled at and insulted back in February because I gave you a ticket and you refused to move your car 
to the even side of the street. I just wanted to let you know that you're a stupid something something. Uh, <laughs> I would love to meet you again so I can punch you in the face for being such a spoiled brat. You'll, you are a literal child who needs to grow up and get over yourself, you narcissistic something. You're a privileged something, big something, who doesn't know what hardship is and you need to get laid and lose your... I think it's say Virginia already. Uh, your father is an utterly miserable piece of something which this site sells uh, who should be slapped in the face for not wearing a condom. If you're thinking of complaining to my job about this, I don't work there anymore since I now live in North Carolina. Sincerely, that security guard you yelled at back in February because I gave you a ticket after you refused to move your car to the other side of the street. Man, dude holds a grudge. When did he send this? <laughs> July. <laughs> so, so this person has made three different purchases of shit. And in fact, this is what I've highlighted because it's it's uh, it's all the same email address. I've obfuscated it. You can only see two letters, but it's clearly the same email address. Three different, or six different purchases of shit. And five months later, they're abusing some woman because of the side of the street she parked a car on. And now it's all in here along with things like IP addresses and other stuff like that. It's in the tweet thread. Have a read. The first time I ever actually had to flag an image in a tweet as a content warning, sensitive content, that the tweet authors flag this tweet as showing sensitive content. So I feel like in the, uh, in the future talks that I do, and I talk about some of the weirdest things I've seen in data breaches. This will be one of them. Actually, true story. I had this epiphany the other day. And I feel like this might be an NDC Oslo kind of talk. And I, I ran this by Charlotte and she thought it was a good idea. I would like to do a not safe for work data breach talk where I put stuff like this up there. for Like you've got to be an adult to go into this talk. You will see... I think I'd have to, I think words are okay. Definitely there's imagery I can't put up there. I'd have to be careful about. But I think a not safe for work, what I've learned from data breaches talk would be hilarious. I just don't know if anyone would actually want me to do it because it's a little bit edgy. If you'd like me to do it, let me know. All right. <laughs> Lewis, I don't think you could send it to the DPRK. I think you would have problems sending that to the DPRK. I agree with that. One more data breach, Benorte. So let's talk about Benorte. And this is just another one of these face palmy things. Uh, we might just go straight to the Krebs piece on this. When efforts to contain a data breach backfire. Earlier this month, the administrator of a cybercrime forum received a, a cease and desist letter from a cybersecurity firm. The missive alleged that an auction on the site for data stolen from 10 million customers of Mexico's second largest bank was fake news and harming the bank's reputation. The administrator responded to this empty threat by purchasing the stolen banking data and leaking it on the forum for everyone to download. Now, this is like a Gannis. It's, it's serious, right? But Guy says here on the, on the forum... I bought this data to leak with permission from the seller because Group IB, so this is the cybersecurity company in Singapore, was sending emails to me complaining about it. They also attempted to submit DMCAs against the website. Make sure to tell Benorte that now they need to worry about the data being leaked instead of it just being sold. 
Mr. Group IB, next time, do not bother me. <sighs> Where do we begin? Uh, <laughs> why would you submit a DMCA takedown or a cease and desist to a website literally selling stolen data and expect them to respond in any other way? Now, the website is not... It is not legal to do this. I was going to say it's not justified to do this. I, I can see the raw nerve that this hit and caused them to do that. And I think anyone with half a brain could see that trying to do this was A, never going to be successful, and B, would likely just strive into the whole thing. Because if it wasn't for the actions of Group IB doing, frankly, this idiotic thing, we wouldn't be here talking about it. It wouldn't be the top story on Kremlin security at the moment. It wouldn't be probably going into Have I Been Pwned very soon because there are 2.1 million unique email addresses in there. I have had people, in fact, let's read the, without giving the person's name away, I've had people contact me and confirm that, yes, this data is legitimate. And it has airtime now. It didn't have airtime before. So someone here has said to me, um, obviously I'm not going to name this person, but this is a DM. Hello, I'm from XO. Confirmed that my data, my leaked data is old, about eight years old. This is related to Benorte. I can see other family members and friends on that data. Uh, and I said to them, hey, look, thanks for that. Really useful info. So you've seen the breach data and it's accurate, albeit old. Sounds that way. I just want to make sure as their messaging is quite contradictory. Let me explain what I mean by the message contradictory and then I'll give you his other responses here. So in the Krebs story, He's, uh, he's linked to a tweet where someone has shared a message from Benorte. And their message, now this is translated from Spanish, so maybe there's a little bit of a nuance in language that's been missed here. He says, there has been no violation of our platforms and technical infrastructure. No violation of our platforms. I don't know that you can lose that in translation. No violation. The set of information referred to is inaccurate and outdated. If it's outdated, then at some time it was indated, current, accurate, which means that it's real and does not put users and customers at risk. Well, let's go on to my mate over here who's replied to me privately. He says, yes, I got a copy of the data that was posted on a forum. It's easy to do. It's a zip file with three CSVs. Yes, that's what I've seen as well. Searching for myself, family, some friends, the names, addresses, RFCs, which are tax IDs, phone and email are accurate. Bank balance is not, and I have not lived on that address in a while. I would say it's contradictory. There is a risk for customers, either by phone scams, emails, or other thing happening in Mexico, scammers with fake land yards from your bank. I think it means lanyards from a bank coming to home to sell you new credit cards, but what they do is collect info and document for other scams. Nasty. So this info could be used by those people. So to me that, I mean, clearly it's it's legitimate. This is obviously, obviously is what it is at face value. They've been breached, the data's been leaked, and they're, they're trying to go all Streisand on it, and, you know, here we are. I always feel like <laughs> every time I talk to an organisation about a, a data breach or I reach out and say, I don't think 
I'm pretty sure I've never made a cent out of it. There's never been a money thing. It's just been, look, let's try and get this thing into the public psyche or, or, or let's get disclosure, let's get you know due process and everything else. But holy shit, there is a market here <laughs> for, for someone that can just craft this messaging in an even half-decent way because the likes of Bonorte and the way they've explained it's just it is astoundingly stupid if I have time before I go snowboarding I think I'll get this data loaded uh, because clearly it's it is legitimate uh, and it uh, impacted people need to know and it shouldn't be up to people like this guy to have to go and track down the hacking forum download his data and millions of other people's data just to establish what's been leaked by them so super, super, super poor form from Benorte. Okay, folks, I am fast running out of time. I need to get moving. I've got to get all my uh, snowboardy things ready to roll. I will start posting photos and things from uh, from the Aussie snow. As I said, it's looking like an epic season here. So I hope, uh, hope I get in some really, really nice fresh turns, which, <laughs> which will be the first time in two and a half years. Super looking forward to it. Uh, I'll come to you from back here later in the afternoon, Friday next week, uh, after my epic, epic